Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 124 of Thyroid Nation Radio Live Talk Show and Podcast, brought to you by Just Thrive Probiotics. I'm Dana. And I'm Tiffany, and we'll be your hosts for this morning. Today we are talking with the lovely speaker, author, integrated wellness coach, and transformational retreat host, Stacey Robbins. We are so excited to have her back uh, to discuss Unconventional Thyroid Life, which happens to be the name of her most recent book, An Unconventional Life Where Messes and Magic Collide. She's always so lovely. It's going to be a fun. She has such a twist and such an extraordinary way of presenting things. I absolutely love love listening to her and love talking to her. So we're super excited. You think? I mean, this is the third time on the show. (laughs) You think? (laughs) Well, she keeps she keeps doing things to share. That book is amazing. It's kind of like a a complete, you know, uh, well, guide to an unconventional thyroid life, but just a twist. I love the twist that she puts on everything, like the way she presents everything. It just has a very lovely, upbeat, funny, you know, I mean, when I read her posts on Facebook, it makes me chuckle. So, um, yeah, she has just such a cool way of putting things. Of course, we're also very excited about Thrive Probiotics sponsoring the show. It is a one-of-a-kind, over-the-counter, spore-based probiotic. This is not a 90 billion, you know, 13 strains. Let's do the guessing on which ones you need and how much and blah, blah, blah. It's a spore-based probiotic, which makes it very unique. Uh, Verified to survive gastric acid, which not all um, probiotics are. Uh, we heard a lot about that from Karen Krishnan, the microbiologist behind Thrive Probiotic. Uh, of course, it's gluten, dairy, sugar-free, non-GMO, um, just amazing. Dan and I are both taking it, and I honestly could not do without it. Like, I've had days where I've mm-hmm. skipped, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's not going anywhere in the regimen. <laughs> uh, and, of yeah. course, proven, right? What yeah. What are you experiencing? Oh, I just, it, it gives me energy. I mean, and right. I just can't live without it. Yeah, it just, yeah. I don't know. I guess it just goes down there and makes my tummy happy. I don't know, but, uh, right. yeah, I mean, it yep. just makes me happy. So, and when I don't take it, I do that whole, like, wait, wait, did I, oh, man, you know, right? because I, I realized I didn't take it. So, right. yeah, Fatigue it's a must-have in the family. And, yep. Of course, it's proven as well to reduce endotoxins, which is a huge subject in the gut world, uh, proven to also reduce uh, triglycerides and symptoms of leaky gut. So definitely uh, visit Thrive Probiotics and take a peek and get on their mailing list. They share all kinds of amazing studies for autism and all kinds of other health issues besides um, Hashimoto's and hypothyroidism and Graves and Anyways, take a peek at Thrive Probiotics. We are very excited that they have chosen to sponsor us. Yes, we are. Mm -hmm. Without further ado, get this thyroid nation thriving and hear from this lovely woman. Good morning. Good morning, mellow women. Goodness, it's a little mellow over there. We're going to get the party started with some streamers and... Bell dancers. What the heck's going on over there, girls? Come on, take your bite. Okay, well, I have to let you know that we try to be really mellow when the show comes on because 
moments before every single show, we are laughing and cackling every time. It's just oh pitiful. And so we try to like bring it down because we're just we're always laughing and making it's jokes. Really it's really bad. Pitiful. It's bad. Oh my it's God. Really I'm bad. hearing Dana's voice. Dana's got this like mellow delivery like you say, what is that channel, NPR? And I'm like, Dana, girl, no. you're a thyroid nation. You, you can cackle anytime. It's your show. We can't. We couldn't figure out whether it's thyroid nation or smooth jazz. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, you guys are hilarious. I couldn't wait to be with you this morning. What a fun way to wake up. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> good morning. You have to know. <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry. This is my froggy. I just woke up with. But normally I'm up at 4.30 or 5.30, which I was this morning. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, you know, I really feel like I need just a few more minutes. And so I was up for an hour and a half. And I was just about at the point where I was going to get up and start doing all my work. You know, I woke up at 4 o'clock. I was going to get out of bed at 5.30. And I guess that's the point at which I dropped off for another two and a half hours. <laughs> so, yeah, good mor- it literally is. Good morning from California. I still have oh. yesterday's makeup on under my eyes. <laughs> Whoopsie. Well, yeah, did you? Yeah. Brock celebrated his birthday, right? Right. Happy yeah. 50th. Very cool. <clears throat> yeah, my husband, Rock, he, he's the author of um, The Guy's Guide to Hashimoto's. He uh, is turning 50 on December 20th. And, you know, when a birthday's that close to Christmas, it can just really get lost in the whole shuffle right. of the brouhaha. And so I thought, let me throw him a 50th party with. Um, fun mix of family and friends from long time ago, friends from medium time ago, brand new friends we're going to share next seasons with. <clears throat> I did an Italian theme, an aperitivo, and I served really delicious foods and Prosecco. And we had a great time. And uh, so, yeah, he was duly celebrated, and I am duly recovering from the celebration <laughs> <laughs> three days later. Well, I said I wasn't going to surprise him this year because on his 40th, I we, we had a clubhouse and I surprised him with a whole bunch of friends and catered event and music. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to put myself through the pressure of a surprise because it is so much pressure to like, right. tell him, wait, did you tell? And then I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm ready to like swing for a chandelier by the time the party happens. <laughs> did, did you know? Did you not know? And I'm like, you know what? Here's your party. Have a That's good it. time. Right. right. Well, and you guys right. are together so much. You know, it's kind of like me and my husband. We both work from home, so it, it's almost it's like significantly harder when you're with somebody all the time. I mean, how could you do that? Be on the phone and be like, "Oh, hey, how you doing?" Just walk in the room. <laughs> I mean, well, I'm how would you actually do that? That'd be so hard. That's true. It's mostly the boys. I would have to probably keep it from them because they're the ones who would slip. My two teenagers are like, Dad, are you excited about your party? Whoops, sorry, Mom. You know, <laughs> oh. so I probably could do it, even though Rock and I work from the same space. But the boys, probably, we'd have to send them away for a month to keep us apart. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, it was a great time. Thank you for asking. Yeah, out of four kids, I can only give secrets to one of them. And she's a vault. <laughs> I swear to God, she's... She's a vault. Like literally, you could tickle her. You could sit on. T- it doesn't matter. She's like, yeah, I'm not telling you. I don't know what to say. She's gonna be a spy. Um, totally. Yeah, right. Oh, she so could be. You have no idea. Oh my she, god, that's she, funny. She is built. Who? Which completely. one? Joanna? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Are you kidding me, Daisy and Sam? You don't even have to touch her. 
you can look at her a certain way, and she's like, okay, so here it is. I'll tell you. (laughs) It's bad. Yeah, she's her mom. But Joanna's like, you know, totally a spy. She could be an awesome spy, honestly. I don't know about that job, though. I'm not sure mom would give that one a two thumbs up. It'd be exciting, that's for sure. (laughs) You know, she's one of those adventure junkies, but she doesn't have the, the physical... Uh, to do that, does that make sense? Like she fantasizes about it, it, you know, the adrenaline junkie things, but she's like, yeah, no, that just takes too much energy to do that. We're not doing that. I mean, mm-hmm. if she could dance her way around it, maybe. Yes. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <clears throat> For sure. Yep. Well, tell us about this amazing book of yours. Love the cover, mm. by the way, and and just just love your approach on everything. I know. Oh it is gosh. so fun. You just you just have to you just have to get it. It's an unconventional life where messes and magic collide, and it's just it's fun. And like you have it broken down into like these different sections and different stories. And so like I remember going back. It's been a while. I don't don't even remember which story it was, but I remember I liked it so much that I went back to it. I was like, oh, I'm gonna go back to that little. Yeah, okay, there it is, and reread it. <laughs> yeah, good. I don't remember which section That's I reread, good. but yes. Love it. It's a great, great, great read. Easy to read. So enlightening, inspiring, and funny, and just real. Stacy is the real deal. That's how I call her. So um, that's what I call her. So tell us a little bit about it coming from you. Thanks, Dana. You've called me that from day one. You're hilarious. Thank you for that. (laughs) And that's such a that's truly every time you say it, that's such a compliment. so the, an unconventional life where messes and magic collide. I kind of did a Babe Ruth moment last year when we were in Italy, um, which I'll go into a little bit because it's part of our unconventional life. Uh, but I was doing a Facebook book live post and I said, I've decided what my next book is going to be. I'm going to write an unconventional life. And um, because we were in the middle of living yet another iteration of our unconventional life, And so um, this last year, I spent three and a half months um, in 2017. I do something called a 100-day gong, which is my Taoist practice that I do, of the same thing every day for 100 days. And in this this year's, one of this year's 100-day gong, I committed to writing my book. And it's 21 stories. Sorry, it's not 21 stories. It's 21 chapters, and it's chock full of stories even within the chapters Uh, I picked 21 because it's my favorite number. And it's 21 stories of what the subtitle says, where messes and magic collide. It is the stories of what we've done during the hard times in the face of conflict or financial loss or uh, my son being bullied and those kinds of things um, where I've risen up and done something really creative and done something really healing and magical that was unexpected and unconventional, not the pathway that most people would go during those times. Um, Or it's the mundane stories. It's those ordinary moments where you're driving in the car with your kids and you have this simple conversation and then they throw out this enlightened sage-like wisdom that really just kind of makes you want to pull over and and look for where the unicorn is because you're having such a unicorn, oh, my gosh, this is so groovy experience <laughs> and your life is so shifted, right? And then there are the other stories, tales from other people of what they've gone through and how their story has impacted my story and how the wisdom, something that cost them so much, 
really brought such enlightenment to me and made my path an easier one to travel. So it's really the collection of those books with a lot of fun, a lot of humor, a lot of depth and wisdom and, and lightness. So I'm getting the most unbelievable feedback from people who are reading it and loving it. And one, one woman, one woman's like, okay, I brought it on the plane. Okay. I, but I, I slowed myself down because I don't want this book to end. I mean, she's literally trying to read it as slowly as possible because she's trying to savor it. I get emails from her every few days because of wow. the chapters that are touching her. And then it's so cute. I, I want to say to her, you know, you can read it again. Like if you finish it, <laughs> right. you can go back to the beginning, especially for those of us in our late forties and fifties, it's all going to seem new anyway. Thanks it does seem menopause. new. Maybe that's why so. I have to go back and reread that section. And I can't figure out where it is. And I didn't mark it because I try to keep my book all pretty looking. And things. So, no oh, you idea. are so yeah. bad. There's nothing better than a well-worn book. I'm just saying, Dan and I have had this conversation before, uh, Stacy, on books. And, you know, most of my books look like they've, you know, they've actually been ran over by the back of a truck, you know. And Dan is like, I like them to be perfect. Although Joanna is a reader, and she, all of her books are perfect. And she's, you know, she likes it that way. So she totally resonates with you, Dana. How about you, Stacy? What do your books look like? Well, it depends you know, on the book, a- though, I have to say, because if it's really pretty... That's when I don't want to mess it, is it up. It is pretty. The cover's beautiful. Absolutely. So if it's not pretty and Thank I don't you. deem it pretty, then I can do whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'll just open it, crinkle it, and read it to have my satisfaction in the bathtub or whatever and get drops on it. But if it's pretty, then I have to keep it pretty. So it just depends. That's very funny. Well, yeah. So I think I'm I'm a little bit like a mix of both of you girls. And if it's a, if it's a pretty recipe book, I definitely won't do anything to it. But if it is a, um, you know, like a book that I feel like I'm just having an experience with, I might fold a, a million pages and in oh, funny yeah. ways, like some pages I'll fold a little bit on the corner, some pages that had a lot of content, I'll fold it all the way down the half and, yeah, and then I'll get my pen out and I'll be making marks that are illegible because I can't even read my own handwriting. My boys say that I write in mom ease. Mom, you write in a whole other language, mom. It's like mommy. So, yeah, it just depends. <clears throat> I'm a sticky but, and highlighter queen. You know, I've got oh, stickies see. hanging out all over and highlighter. and. <laughs> I love that. That's uh-huh. really, you make your books an experience. That's so great, Tiffany. Totally. But yeah, totally. I love the book. The book has got like such, such amazing stories. But anyway, I'll let you ask questions and then I'll talk. Sorry. <laughs> That's how it goes, right? <laughs> you know, and it's, I don't know. With you, it doesn't ever go that way. So we're just going to, we're just going to wing it like we always do. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, okay. So I'll tell, I'll tell the readers, your listeners, because um, a lot of us <clears throat> have had to have, Pardon me, I'm going to cough for a sec. <clears throat> so a lot of us ha- who are listening in have a thyroid condition or know someone, love someone who does. And so a lot of us have gone through the scary-ass tests that, you know, make you just kind of stay up night and think the most horrible thoughts and sweat with those little prickly feelings under your arm, you know. And so the very first story in the book is Tales from an MRI Tube. And it's a story about when the doctors couldn't figure out why I was dizzy forever and I have to be put in this MRI tube. But, and I had had MRIs before, but they're different in different seasons because you have a different, like, it's different to do an MRI when you're a single person than it is when you're a married person, than it is when you're a married 
person with kids who are little. You know, there's just this mm. different thing that it, it, like, costs you something different to know what you're going to know after you get out of that tube, right? And so it can really create a lot of anticipation going in. So here I had two young kids, and I had to go into this MRI tube because they were looking for things like MS. They were looking for really scarier stuff and, and right. um, beyond that, brain tumors and so on <clears throat> because we had done all the other expensive tests. And my husband had just started a new job, and um, he couldn't, you know, it's that weird time when you can't really ask for time off because you're still trying to prove that you're a consistent person. <clears throat> and so I kind of, like, I understood, and I hated him at the same time because I'm having to go to this thing alone. And, um, and so I kissed my boys goodbye, not knowing which mommy they were going to see when they came back. You know, was it the relieved mommy? Was it the waiting to hear news mommy? Was it the mommy who just had a faith quake and, like, life's going to be really different? And so I drive to the MRI tube, and I, I know that I don't, <laughs> I don't ask normal questions. <clears throat> I don't ask normal questions. So I go in, and I'm, and this girl who's, like, 15 years younger than me, really perky with no makeup and she looks absolutely adorable and, and scrubs and blonde hair and a ponytail says hi mrs robbins you ready for your mri like like we're going to disneyland and i'm like uh <laughs> she's like i'm sarah and i said sarah is there any way you could i, I said is there any way you could walk me in backwards and oh, i hear music hello <laughs> it's so lovely it's, very, it's not on my end it's, it's very pretty <laughs> I don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> oh, my okay. God, is that you? I'm, like, panicking. My phone's sitting right here next to me. Okay. Yeah, that rings oh, off. Sorry, ladies. Okay. That's, That's okay. okay. <laughs> that was a nice little interlude. It was. And now was. back to our program. It um, There's the smooth jazz. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Or, you know, like, jewelry box music. It did seem um, like a little jewelry box thing. Okay, you're yeah, walking in backwards. Box. Okay. So I said to her, Sarah, can you walk me in backwards so that I don't see the MRI tube? Because I know that I was dealing with a lot of claustrophobia during that time because the dizziness was making me feel so weird. I couldn't even, I couldn't sit on, sit on a plane. I couldn't go on an elevator where that was not a problem before, but now I'm getting weird about tight spaces. And she looks at me like, um, Mrs. Robbins, I can't walk you in backwards for liability purposes. And I said, no. Oh. I said, okay, so um, Sarah, what would you do if I were blind? And she's like, I would wheel you in a wheelchair. And she, I said, okay, could you wheel me in a wheelchair backwards? And she looked at me like I was kidding. She goes, no, but I can wheel you in forward and you can close your eyes. Like, this is what happens to me. I turn stupid when I get scared. That's what I was thinking. I was like, well, you could just close your eyes. Okay, but okay, go ahead, yeah, keep going. Yeah, but see, I don't think all the way through on some of those things. I'm just trying to have MRI visual avoidance. That's my goal. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. anyway, she puts me in there, and I get in there, and I just say, I, 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 like, Sarah, I can't do this because it's two MRIs. It's one of the brain, one of the neck. It's going to be double the time, so I'm going to be in, the, in there an hour and a half. And and then they have to lock your head in this metal cage. So you look like Cannibal Lecter meets, like, yeah. the, the umpire at the baseball game, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm just, like, there's just – and I'm locked in. So I'm tighter than tight in a tight circle. And I'm, like, there is no freaking way I can do this. So I'm, like, Sarah, get me out of here. So she rolls me out. And, I, 
and I come out and I don't look at the machine, but I look up in front of me because she rolls me out, the, rolls me in from the top and rolls me out through the bottom. <laughs> and I, I look out and um, I open my eyes and there's this huge window full of trees. And I have this memory like, okay, trees, they are a gift. I mean, they're very calming. And I wrote about this in my first book, or one of my first books, um, You're Not Crazy and You're Not Alone. I wrote about how in the insane asylums when someone's freaking out, they would come and bring their, them down to a tree and tie their back to it, uh, tie them to it and put their back to it because they knew that the earth was calming, that trees were oh. calming. And um, so here I have these trees and I'm like breathing in these, the beauty and the expanse of this tree, which is these trees, which is so different than the tight space I'm in. And I just said, okay, trees, I know what you do. You trade with us. We breathe out our carbon dioxide and then you give us back our oxygen. And I'm like, would you do that for me while I'm in here? Would you just like, I'm going to breathe out my fear and you're going to give me oxygen. And I just said this prayer to God and said, would you help me? Would you help Oh, because this is the thing about the MRI tube. When she started the test, it sounded like a million jackhammers in my head. It was like they were all banging in my dizzy, scared head. And so I said, God, would you make the the jackhammers sound like music? And I said, and while I'm in there, would you give me other people to pray for so that I cannot be focused on me and me alone? And I said, and would you tell me something about life, about myself in that tube so that I wouldn't know anywhere else. Would you make that a special, almost like a sanctuary for me? And so I was like, I have to do this. I have to know the answer of what's wrong with me. Even if I don't like the answer, I have to know so I can move forward. So I said to Sarah, let's do it, Sarah. And she puts me in the tube and the weirdest thing starts happening. The test starts going, you guys. And it's like, it's like this really weird, twisting, mystical, Middle Eastern meets otherworldly, heavenly music that mm. starts happening and calming me. And, and I'm not around jackhammers anymore, banging in my head. I am around this, these notes that are swirling around me and calming me, making me smile. Partway through the test, I moved my hands to my belly and I said, who can I pray for? Who, like, to my heart. I moved my hands to my heart and I said, who can I pray for? And these people started coming to my mind, my friend Peter with ALS and my friend Sandra with ALS and, I, <clears throat> and other people. And I just started sending prayers on their behalf and just having this moment of communing with the divine for their sake. And it really took me outside of myself. And then I moved my hands down to my, my abdomen, my, where my womb lives, and I said, what can you tell me about me? And I heard what I call God. It's words with, words with no voice. It's like, here's these words that pass through me, but there's no voice attached to them. And I heard these words tell me, when you know who you are, you will walk in the power that I've given you. And it was all about identity, and this picture flashed in my mind of me walking through my town and looking at all the businesses, and on every business was my name. On every sign was my name. And I realized that I didn't have to go around into a place as if I didn't belong there. I I could go in as if I owned it, because I did, and I didn't have to beg for help. I I just had to remember that I was the resource and that I – my resource was everywhere and to walk in that. And it, it was the most beautiful thing. By the time the hour and a half was up, it was like minutes and it was 
sacred and beautiful. And so that's, that's what I talk about is how in that tight little space, I experienced immense freedom and spaciousness in my heart. And I was different because of that thing. So that's, that's how the whole book starts off. Um, when was that in relation to uh, when you got your diagnosis, your Hashimoto's diagnosis? Mm, how I far? How many? Di- yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was diagnosed in 97, 97. And then I was after two, a year and a half of symptoms and then telling me nothing was wrong with me and then telling me I was dying. Um, and then that was in the boys were four and six. So that was in like 2007, 2008, some, some, I don't know, something close to that. Mm-hmm. So almost 10 years after that. Well, <clears throat> yeah, I have a, I have an MRI story. It's not quite like yours, but, um, you know, that's amazing. It's, it's amazing that you have, you know, you have that special gift, Stacy, of um, being able to see things kind of out of body and in body and kind of, be able to explain them to everybody in such a doable, easy, you know, way to understand. And it's so refreshing and calming. I just love it. I mean, even your MRI, MRI story, you know, which is bringing back, I'm like panting and, and, and my heart's <laughs> beating and stuff because I'm remembering my story and it actually calms me uh, because your story, you know, it's just, it, it's resonating with me. So, and that is kind of how your whole book is. Uh, it's, just fabulous and and fun and I just have to tell you one of the things I remember is in the book is nude center and I just well we just have to talk about it really quick because it's just too funny I mean it's such a great it's such a great part that you put in it just shows your you know it just shows the depth of things that you know go on in Stacy's brain well nude center so nude center is from uh, the chapter that has to do with when we were in um when we were in Italy last year and so the backstory on going to Italy was just that we we kind of had a crash and burn experience for about a year and a half before that and it wasn't the first one and <laughs> likely because it's life won't be the last one but um you know, that's kind of how it grooves sometimes. But I, uh, you know, my, tw- my then 12-year-old, my oldest son was 12 at the time, was dealing with a lot of bullying at his private school, and he just couldn't take it anymore. He pulled himself out. And then um, while I'm helping him heal at home from PTSD, <clears throat> a month later my husband comes home and informs us that his job of eight years was being dissolved. Everyone was losing their jobs because they were selling the division because it was so profitable. And then um, a week after my husband came home from that job, my younger son got stuck under another kid. His foot got stuck under another kid in a soccer game, and he ended up fracturing his foot and ended up in a wheelchair for two and a half months. While we were taking him from the appointment where he got the wheelchair, we stopped to pay our rent, and our landlord informs us that he's raising the rent $600 more a month. So I was like, holy, are you freaking kidding me? Are you kidding me that this is my life right now? And I'm in two different trainings. I'm getting my yoga teacher certification. I just finished my health coaching certification because we're going to have this whole new lease on life. And meanwhile, I'm like trying to catch everyone in my family who's falling, right? Right. And not only that, I'm trying to heal these kids and 
<clears throat> we were just rebuilding all of our finances, and now they're they're falling too because they're going to help people heal and cover a job that now is not there anymore. And so it was just kind of a crazy time. And I was pissed off dropping the F-bombs for like three weeks <laughs> and, and, and cleaning the baseboards. Like I'm Italian. So therapy for us is clean and swear, right? <clears throat> so I did that for three weeks and I'm like, I cannot sustain this. I cannot be angry for, th- for through this long. I just don't do anger very well because I'm like, let's get to the enlightened place. And so that anger thing that my family, my Italian family seems really good at, I'm just not very good at. Uh, so I just like, okay, how do I turn this around? So I laid on my bed and I looked at the ceiling where I think God lives. And I said, okay, if I could do anything without thinking about the time, the money, or the opportunity. What would I dream? So I just spent that time looking at the ceiling until inspiration struck me. And it was like, if I could think of what I would do if time, money, and opportunity were of no object, okay, I would sell a lot of stuff. I would put what's left in the, car, in the um, storage unit, And I would take my kids, pile them in the car, and do a cross-country trip with my readers. And I would leave them in retreats, like little mini workshops, a day or two days. And I would do coaching sessions with my readers if they wanted that. And I would just get to know them. And we'd go across the country, and my kids would have this fabulous experience of getting to know the states at this age. And then um, I would land in New Jersey at my best friend's house, hold a big event there with a lot of great food and great people. And then I would buy one-way tickets to Europe. And then I would go to Europe and I would stay there for three months and I would soothe myself with gelato, music, art, history, and more gelato. And I would reconnect my family back to their souls and back to each other. And that's what I would do. And I'd call it our magical healing adventure. And so that's what we did. We ended up um, selling almost all of our stuff, and, and, uh, or most of it, sorry, half of it, and putting the rest in storage, piling the kids in the car, and taking off and doing nine, uh, 12 different events in nine different cities over six weeks. In the, and um, we landed at my best friend's house, did a huge, fabulous event with great, fabulous food, and had one-way tickets. To, um, we started in England for a week, and then we went down to Italy for three months. And so, okay, how did we get to Nude Center? So um, when I was... I know, I know exactly how. (laughs) Do you you want me to pause there or shall I go on? (laughs) Okay, I'll go on. Anyway, okay. So what happened was I didn't bring... We only brought one bag each. The boys, I only allowed them to bring one backpack each, and Rock got to bring his backpack plus his computer. Uh, no, actually, I think his back his backpack held the computer. So he had one bag, and then I brought my little strolly thing because <clears throat> I don't like when my back hurts. So I brought my little strolly carry-on. So we all had a carry-on, and that meant that I didn't bring all of everything because I figure when you're going someplace – you're going to bypass the season. You can buy a few things there, buy, buy new T-shirts since we were heading from wintery into spring into summer. Um, and I brought, like, the ends of things. I brought the end of my makeup remover. I brought the end of my – I didn't bring all brand new stuff. I brought the end of my lipstick, which I totally love from Lipstick Queen. 
<clears throat> and it's called Nude Sinner, which my mother hates. Every time she goes, oh, my God, that lipstick looked gorgeous on you in that picture. What is that? I'm like, it's Nude Sinner, Mom. Oh, my God, Stacey, can't you find a lipstick with a better name? <laughs> no, actually, I can't, Mom. That's the perfect one for me. So I love when pe- people ask me, like, once a day, what's that lipstick wearing? And I get the pleasure of a smile on my face going, Nude Sinner. <clears throat> well, anyway, the whole <laughs> The whole thing about news, you got to read the chapter because the chapter has very little to do with the, the fact that we were there, but it has to do with the mindset that I had when I was looking for something. Because, see, I was looking for the perfect shoe because I brought really painful shoes that I left in England with a note that says, if you have t- size 10 feet and toes of steel, please take my shoes. <laughs> and... Um, but I was looking for the perfect sandal and I couldn't find it until I finally gave up on finding the perfect sandal. Right. And then after I was looking done with that, I was looking for the perfect lipstick because they didn't have lipstick queen in Italy. They have other lipsticks. And, but I was like, no, I have to find this one. And in the hunt for the thing that I thought I needed to have, I couldn't find it. And I surrendered. And then I found all these beautiful ones. And I go on to tell different stories about, how my, my kids, they wanted to have friends, but they were trying too hard in Italy to have friends, and then that was elusive to them. And so we all kind of got the message that when you spend your life trying too hard to find the perfect thing that you think you have to have because it fills a need, then you can't find it. But once you release yourself and you go, I'm not needy for it, I'm just ready for it, then you're not pursuing something out of this want and this judgment idea that I'll be better if I have this. And you let go of all of that. And then you find a million friends, a million lipsticks, a million pairs of great sandals. And yeah, that was the, that's the wisdom that came from that particular chapter. And I forgot about the shoes. That is so great. I mean, seriously, if I came upon some shoes and saw that, I would be like, I have to meet this woman. (laughs) Seriously. I mean, just... Fabulous, fabulous, mm. fabulous! You guys um, have to forgive me. I'm like in this perpetual flower field place. I'm, <laughs> I, it's funny, Stacy, because I have the same. I get the same feeling when I read your posts. Like I literally love the the how the magic and the mess collide. It really you that that title for the book is so appropriate for the way that you view things. You know what I'm uh-huh. saying? And I think. Mm. You know, I can only speak for myself as, uh, you know, someone who has a thyroid condition, but I think we have a tendency to be so consumed and so worried about so many things. And like you said, it's it's the ability to step back and and to find the magic in it. And, and we've talked about it a million times, Dana and I, the people that we've met and the amazing silver lining to, you know, being diagnosed with Hashimoto's and, and finding these amazing people and and all the different things. And it's really, like you said, stepping back and, and reviewing it. So if we had a gal or a guy out there today who is just struggling with not feeling well and just so worried about everything, give them a Stacy tip. How do they mm. look at it differently? How do they put their magic in the mess filter on their glasses. That's a Does great that make question. Sense? Mm-hmm. Totally. 
Yeah, so <clears throat> first of all, if you are that person in that space, my heart goes out to you because once we feel that, once we have information, it becomes like about our health, let's say. It really becomes this magnifying glass that we start having this experience of looking at our past and evaluating our past and going, Did, have I lived enough of life? Have I... Have I done enough? Am I happy with what I've done? And it, and it, and then it, we shine that, we put that on our present, and we go, that magnifying glass goes of our present, go, am I doing all that I can be doing? Like, am I in the job that I love? Am I in, <clears throat> am I in a relationship that's honoring? Am I, am I doing what I want to be doing? Or am I just, like, pissing my time away on Facebook? Like, what am I doing with my life? And then it makes us put that magnifying glass on the future and said, do I, do I have a future? Am I scared? How much power do I have to change this and turn this around? <clears throat> so I just want to acknowledge, first of all, if you are that person who's either freshly diagnosed or, or dealing with some of that, that part of the process, that's a really normal part of right. healing is to take that look in almost an exaggerated way <clears throat> because what it does is it gives you this pause. A diagnosis gives you this pause and it gives you this magnifying glass in your hand to evaluate life and say, am, am I loving my life? Am I living it true to my soul? And so that is really normal. So I would just, first of all, acknowledge the normalcy of that and tell you you're not crazy for being in that part of the process. Right. And if you're in part, the part of the process where you're feeling scared or hopeless I just want to acknowledge that too and say that is a really normal thing too. That's and because what happens is we recognize like the question about do I have power in this? Do I have power to change this? What what can I do? Am I helpless? Who do I trust? Can I trust anybody? Do I know enough? Do I know people who know enough? That's really normal too. And I just want you to allow yourself to have some of those feelings. And I would encourage you to journal stream of consciousness journaling, which I do every day to process some of those out so that you can get those thoughts that are valuable, but they're going to take up a lot of your airspace in your brain that you need for healing um, solutions. And so I'd invite you to put those down on a page that you can get them out of your system and give them a place of honor, give them a place of respect, but get them out of the space that you need to be creative and open to having solutions come your way rather than just swirling the, the issues around. Hmm. And then the next thing that I would tell you is that <clears throat> you are so powerful and you've drawn this information to yourself, not to undo you, but to unfold you. Like you are so powerful that you drew the 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 um, the revelation of what you're dealing with toward you, so that you could use it. Because you, as a powerful person, are so resourceful. You know there is a part of you that is divinely given that gift to to use that which you have to move your life forward. And so I believe that with all my heart. That's part of why I believe that um, messes and magic can collide. It's because I believe, I have this vision that God is a seamstress up in the sky and has no scraps on its floor. Like there's no, there's no scraps on God's floor because God knows how to use everything. And so the divine in me knows how to use everything, including this, including the information that something's going weird with your kid or something's going off with your spouse or your finances or your job or your health. Like 
there's a part of you that knows how to use that to ascend to who you're here to be and do what you're here to do. And so the thing that helps me to do that is to get still. And um, I've done a practice of stillness and that, and it's not like meditation. It's not, it's different than journaling. It's just truly being in my beingness because really what happens when I want to run in the face of information has come from me, not trusting me with me and information. Mm. And so what I've learned in stillness is to be good with me, to be okay with me, to be embracing and accepting of me. And that when I trust me, I know I can deal with what comes my way. And I'm not looking for all those external sources anymore to trust. Um, not that, that I don't still have those people I seek to, to, who are trustworthy, but I'm starting with me. I'm not looking for anyone to replace my own inner trust. And so that's what stillness offers me. And I would invite you to be in that uncomfortable place of being still with yourself and see where you are with trusting you and, and allow yourself to even keep being still beyond the restlessness that you feel and the discomfort you feel, feel because in that you're going to get to know you and not just the weak parts of you, not the scared parts of you. You're going to get to know the powerful parts of you. And that is what, that is part of what has shifted my life and allows me to move forward in the face of crappy things is that was part of my, my journey. <clears throat> and then you what know, I would do, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say that's one of some of the biggest uh, times of healing for me has been removal from information, just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, I'm kind of an information research junkie so, and you can, you can totally get wrapped up in information. And, and uh, so some of it resonates entirely with me when you say that. Some of my greatest times of healing has been removal from information. And, and just like you said, asking me about me. And, and uh, that's just, it's a beautiful, and it's so simple, right? But we all get so caught up in other things and we forget to actually check in with ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. because there's this fear that we're going to be the least trustworthy person in the room. And that's part of why we live a very distracted life, I think, is that we don't know that we are capable. We don't know who we are. So when we have something that comes into our lives, like a diagnosis or a situation or <clears throat> whatever the bump is, right, that's presenting itself, we we want to run because we don't know that we can trust the person who we're with. And so the journey of trusting you is really one of the gifts of Hashimoto's is the, that's been the gift for me. And so my thing about Hashimoto's, it's not that I filter all of my life through Hashimoto's. It's that I feel like I use what's in my life to ascend. And in some cases it's the Hashimoto's in some cases it's, you know, being married 28 years and growing together and sometimes growing apart and growing back together again. And sometimes it's dealing with your child who is being bullied and, and, and then the finances crashing. Like, it's just, it's just, it's using what you have in life. That's what happens is you stop going, Oh, well, I can deal with anything, but this, it's like, no, I can be with me in the face of what life presents to me and so that is really an important part of your journey and then what will happen is from that place of stillness from that place of inner trust and confidence you will have a different piece that's not dependent on the diagnosis or the circumstances but you will have a piece that comes from knowing who you are and trusting 
who you are as this divine human. And then you'll approach the solutions with a different kind of um, steadiness and curiosity, seeking the information with maybe less desperation and drivenness and fear. Not that those things aren't still there sometimes because holy crap, they still are sometimes for me. It's just that I come back to center a little bit more quickly than I used to. Right. And so, and then what happens is the people come your way, they will either have information for you or they will present themselves as an orange cone for you, which I wrote about in my book. You're not crazy and you're not alone. They will come to you and say, Hey, if that's something that's helpful or they'll come to you and it might be in the disguise of judgment. It might be in the disguise of not having a solution for you. It might be in the disguise of dismissing you. Um, It, but what they're letting you know is, hey, I'm an orange cone. I'm not good or bad. An orange cone is just indifferent. It's just information. And the information I'm giving you is that I'm not the person to give you an answer right now. So go mm-hmm. around me because that's what an orange cone is. And so you'll get the opportunity as you are walking your healing path to see how you see life. That's what comes up to us. How do I see when the doctor dismisses me? How do I see – how do I – what do I believe about myself when the doctor dismisses me? What do I believe about myself when the family judges me and doesn't understand me? What do I believe about myself when my coworkers are talking about me behind my back? Because I can't show up in the same way because of this health thing. What do I believe about me in the face of those things? Trust me, that was something that you needed to deal with in you way before the diagnosis. But the diagnosis is just the opportunity de jour to examine those things and be free from those things so you could be free to yourself again. So those are some of the things that I would tell people, you know, and if they were in these parts of the journey. I love the orange cone. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I I just had a vision of you sitting up on stage telling Oprah the cone uh, story, although she doesn't have her show anymore. She still has the oxygen network. And I don't know. It's just such a great metaphor for so many things i just love it so i don't know i'm putting it out i'm putting it out in the universe for you stacy just so you know it's out there you and oprah talking about the orange cone because she reaches so many people she reaches so many people so how great to have that message you know spread and shared because it's just it's such a powerful story such a powerful moment in your life that just it's funny and intense and and deep and (laughs) uh inspirational it's just a really cool uh, really cool spot that that you share in your first book. Um, let me ask you um, really quickly, Stacy. Uh, you know, the book is just the way you put things. I mean, you know, Tiffany and I, you know, we could marry you, you know, you know that already about us, right? You're my so, girl crush, um, baby. Yeah. You're our, one of our girl crushes, you, know, you and Kelly Brogan. I'm just saying, right. Oh, I love Kelly Brogan. Oh my so, God. So, um, so I'm just wondering, you know, the book is so fabulous and has so many great little spots and, and stories and things, but do you have something fun or one of one of the favorite parts of the story, one of the pa- favorite parts of your book that you'd like to share with everybody? There's so many good ones. I don't even know where to start, but do you have something that really resonates with you that's just fun and, and that you can share with us? <laughs> okay. I can share with you a fun one that okay. um, I love. It's, it's called, the chapter is called the cellulite is right where I left it. Yes. I love that. And, <laughs> Chapter, chapter three? three. Yeah. Yes. I have been, you know, and it's all about how 
I had been on a diet for a certain amount of weeks. Um, I could measure my life by diets and the size of the jeans in my closet. It's ridiculous. Um, some people have seasonal clothing, and it's like I have <laughs> different weights and different diet clothing. clothing you know, right. hi, this is for winter. Yeah, no, that's not for winter. That's for that <laughs> diet. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but I was on this diet, and I and my husband was at his closet, and I was at mine, and I dropped my pants, and I said, "Could you come look at something?" He's like, "Uh." <laughs> And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, I just want to know, do I have less cellulite than I used to? And, you know, he just, it's a no-win situation when you ask your husband something like that. Like, if you get a lot of silence in return, just know you have set them up to lose and lose big, right? So there I am with my granny panties on and my pants around my ankles, and I've invited him over to stare at the back of my thighs, which is like, so uncomfortable and uh, um, and he's being quiet and he's scanning like up and down and up and down and I'm like oh my god would you please just tell me already I can't even breathe twisting around like this and he's like he stands up and he looks at me it's like babe I don't see any cellulite I turn around and we've got like in that particular room we had four full mirrors that were you know, built into the closet and I was like what? and I'm looking and I'm like I'm like, I look in his eyes. I'm looking to see, is he just trying to protect himself so we can have sex again? Like, I'm trying, I'm just looking in his eyes, you know, going, is he telling me the truth? (laughs) Yeah, right. And and I just looked at, and he was so sincere. And he said, babe, I don't ever know that you had cellulite. He goes, I don't see any cellulite. And I realized he was being totally true. And I, this is a man who has made me crazy for years because I'll say, babe, could you please go get the ketchup out of the fridge? And he will go and he will look. And he's in there like a full five minutes. The, the refrigerator is starting to ding because it's going into defrost mode. And he can't, he's like, I can't find the ketchup. And I'm like, third shelf, down on the bottom, staring at you, says organic. Another two minutes, refrigerator's starting to melt. You know, I'm like, I walk over, and it's right where I, I pull in front of me. He's like, oh, wow, I didn't even see that. I'm like, holy schniz, you are kidding me. Like, we're getting your eyes examined. And even one year, and it's such a joke with us that he can't find what he's looking for that's right in front of him, that one year for our anniversary, he got me a card, and on the front is a guy looking in the refrigerator, and there's only stick of, sticks of butter there. And on the front, it says, honey, can you, can you get a stick of butter? And he's in there, and he can't see the butter because it's right, but it's right in front of him. So anyway, I realized then that I am not going to judge my husband anymore for not finding the ketchup. Like I freed him up from that because he freed me up to just go. He just sees what he sees, and he's not looking for cellulite. He's not looking for the problems like I'm looking for the problems. He's not noticing that that wrinkle on my face or or that gray hair on my head like he's looking for me and when he looks at me he sees me and that's what I love about the cellulite is right right, right where I left it because he rock has been a huge part of the message to just see me for me and stop looking at all the fine details of what's what I think is not right so we're yeah that's, the, my, that's you know, one of my cute stories for all the superficial things that we as women you know we pay attention to that men just don't you know like like you said the wrinkle or the gray hair or the you know cellulite God. bump right <laughs> thank goodness right right <laughs> so. i always make reference to the to the uh you know my element of abdominal weight and stuff like that you know uh as uh yeah 
the pudgy <laughs> doll. My husband's <laughs> always like that right there. And we can my husband's wait, always right? like, I just love that. You know, he's like a cat. You know, <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> 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 Okay, TMI moment right there for everybody. Uh, there's no such thing. There's no such thing um, with no. me as a TMI moment. Okay, almost no, no such thing. But that that's wasn't it. Such a, that's worry. such a beautiful thing, though. You know what I mean? That that I don't know. It's a filter thing I think they have, which is which is very cool. My husband always tells me, you worry too much. You worry too much. Why do you even think about those things? Why do you worry? Mm-hmm. Don't worry so much, you know? And I love that because I do worry too much, you know, finding mm-hmm. that silver lining in the whole thing, the different view. You know, I love the, the quote that you have, uh, Stacy. your healing can only go as far as your beliefs will let it. That is so appropriate and, you know, the filter thing, being able yeah. to see the, the silver lining or, you know, all these you know, possibly negative things that are happening, instead of looking at it as negativity, looking at it as an orange cone or as a step to to do things differently. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that is a critical piece in healing, and you just present that route so well. I, I just you. enjoy <laughs> you so much and and your book and your posts and it's just a reminder of, you know, that there's always two ways to view something. You know, so many people complain about their doctors and, you know, my doctor's an idiot and how can I know more and this and that. Now, from now on, everyone that's listening, stick an orange cone on that doc's head and realize that this is not your person right now. We don't have to go down the negativity route, right? We just look at it as an orange cone. Not this person, yeah. not right now. I love that and I'm all for that Dana putting it out there that's mm-hmm. that you need that message to go huge because that's that's huge just that it orange cone theory it is it's the that's orange cone one. theory big it's one Stacey Robbins yeah, orange the, cone theory that's what we're going to start calling it that's it <laughs> Stacey Robbins orange cone <laughs> yeah you're, right you're good at branding you guys are good at branding I'll let you run with that one for me <laughs> Because, you know, I'm still learning all that stuff. Well, you know how they yeah. say that view people naked, right? Like if you're nervous, you should view people as not wearing any clothes, right? So instead of jumping on the negativity of that diet or that supplement or, oh, my gosh, that's not right, or, oh, this, that doesn't go with me or whatever, just view it as an orange cone. Don't even spend any time thinking about it. Just go around and continue looking <laughs> for it. That is so that's just so huge. And you know what it, it is. does? This is what, it, this is what I want to share about that in 30 seconds is that it allows it to still be good for someone else. And when you uh-huh. have not, because when I, I have a voice of authority in our community and it is really important that I just don't sit and demonize everything that didn't work for me. I can share my right. story. Hey, right. that didn't work for me, but bless you if that works for you, like embrace it because I see so many people um, who have authority demonizing things that can actually work right. for other people. And then they feel embarrassed to share. They feel ashamed to share that something was good. Or they feel like they have to hide that good thing. I'm like, hey, if that doctor worked for you, that is awesome. That did not work for me. If that supplement worked for you, if that 
food way works for you, bless it. But do not sit there and tell me and tell everyone that you have to do this or else because this is the only thing right. that worked because it worked for me. Just declare, hey, this works for me and and um or it didn't and go around it if it doesn't and you you empower people then to see their life in a powerful way and i love that mm. and it and it is so true i mean ah that you know it reminds me of lisa rankin um stacy are you familiar mm-hmm. with lisa rankin and uh-huh. the medical mindfulness approach you know she literally left this world of absolutes as an md and went searching for you know, what happens in a medical situation or what happens to keep people well or to reverse illness or all of these different things. I mean, the medical mindfulness approach, it's just what can work. How dare somebody tell someone this this isn't going to work for you or that's not possible for you, you know what I mean, because you're not that person. So it's really not in a position to actually say that. And And it's in a healing, you know, forum, it's super important, I think, to honestly support whatever it is that that person thinks may work, right? Yeah. Because yeah. who knows? I mean, it's a it's a it's a very interesting uh, concept in the health world because everything seems so absolute right now. You know, even in medical we, research and stuff like that. You know, I what I love is just putting you know essential oils out there. There are so many medical studies coming out right now about the ability of essential oils to assist in, you know, uh, pre-surgical situations and all these things. And beforehand, you know, look at even five years ago, they're like, this is voodoo and it's not going to work, you know. <laughs> and now all of a sudden they're embracing it. So it's like, ah, yeah, yeah. it's just a, it's cool. a beautiful There's thing a- when you leave that door open. There's a charge that I feel very strongly is to not tell someone ever that they cannot be healed. Do not tell anybody that they can't be healed of something, you know, and that this thing couldn't be a helpful resource in your healing, just exactly what you're saying. I feel like it's really important to say we don't know of a cure right now, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It just means we don't know. We like, don't let's know stay yet. In that, let's just stay in that humble place that says, I don't know everything. I know we love answers because it makes us feel, they're like handlebars in life to have answers, but to <laughs> to close a coffin on to close a coffin on somebody and say, you know, there's nothing you can do about this is just so disempowering and it doesn't rec- recognize what's possible. So the truth is that we think that a, the universe only goes so far and then we invent a new tool that helps us to see, no, it goes farther. So how about we take that mindset with healing? How about maybe we just don't have the tool to see it just yet, but it's out, maybe it's out there and let, let someone have the hope of what's possible. Right. That is the greatest healing gift that you can give another person, I think. Honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, Stacy, I've got it we have to make a left turn here. Because I want you to talk about cuz I think it's amazing and healing and I hope you loved the way we called it transformational. <gasps> You're my favorite. <laughs> Did you hear you that? I called it transformational favorite. retreat host. So I want you to talk a little bit because I think it's a truly amazing what it is mm-hmm. okay. risking adventure. What does that okay. mean? And tell us how what much time you are do doing. I have? Tell me. Just, just, <laughs> just go because it's it's amazing okay. and I think it's incredibly healing and and mind shift rerouting. So go. 
Yeah, tell us. So risking adventure and the transformational retreats. There, I got the phrase risking adventure from a wonderful Jewish rabbi philosopher named Dr. Edwin Friedman. And he passed around in the mid-1990s. But um, I love learning from him. He talks about this concept that our brain can only imagine so far. And, you know, our brains are amazing what we can imagine. But that there's some point where the imagination stops and the action needs to begin because something opens up in the brain that doesn't until we take a risk. And so, like, if I were to say to you girls, the thing that comes to me all the time is, like, if I were to say to you girls, hey, imagine what it's like to put on a parachute and jump out of a plane at 14,000 feet. You would have the imagination. You would imagine what it feels like to feel nervous or to feel, uh, to want to make sure you're pulling the right pull on to get your parachute and the other you'd imagine what it's like to stand at the open door with the wind blowing in your face. But that's a completely different experience than going through the classes and being on that plane with other scared, brave people and standing at the deafening opening of the door and the wind is there and you're like, no, no, no. And they push you out or whatever it is that happens. Like it's a different experience to risk adventure. So what I am doing with my, I take on that mindset in life is I risk adventure in other ways. I say things in brave ways. I put my books out there. I, um, I take my kids on a cross country trip. We, we homeschool, we, whatever it is, you know, that is our risking adventure. But one of the other ways is I'm inviting women to risk adventure by going on my newly minted uh, transformational retreats um, to Italy. So what I'm doing, uh, and I did this year, just uh, in October, I did my first international retreat um, at a gorgeous villa in southern Tuscany where I brought in a personal chef and I led the women in yoga, meditation, stream of consciousness, journaling. We went on five excursions throughout the week and we had the most unbelievable time. I mean, unbelievable magical time and for every single one of the those women who went there were there was something that they had to get past they had to risk in order to get there and when you have to risk something whether it's um flying internationally after you've been diagnosed with a health condition and you've not flown since then and you don't know how you're going to do whether it is Spending that X amount of dollars that maybe you go, okay, it would be, make more sense if I save that money instead of spend it. So that's the risk. Maybe it's being a new mom and you've got a less than two-year-old at home that you're going to leave with the husband for the first time and you're like, I don't know, this is scary. I have a lot invested in that little life and I don't know if that big man can do it all like me <laughs> or at all. You know, that's the big risk, you know, for Uh, Maybe it's that I don't know these women and I'm not used to being with people I don't know. And that's the big risk. Maybe it's being in a foreign country and not knowing the language or the travel there. That's the big risk. So whatever it was for these women, it was that they all had something. And there was unbelievable transformation that happened as a result of the brave risk they took and the big reward they got because they encountered a strength inside of themselves and a capability and a resourcefulness inside of themselves. And then they had a bonding experience with the other women. We had fabulous 
food out at all these great cities we were in. And we were just, we, and we had unbelievable conversations. And they did yoga and they did meditation. So they established new habits in their life that they've brought back home with them. So it was a really remarkable experience. And I'm doing two more retreats, one in May from the 12th to the 19th of May in Florence. Um, it's a city girl, country girl. Um, <laughs> I'm doing two retreats. One's a city girl, one's a country girl. So the city one is in Florence in May, and the oh, country wow. one is back in southern Tuscany in the villa, um, oh, that exclusive boutique retreat in October. And so the city girl one is we're going to do different themes for our days, like how to live like a tourist. And we're going to go see all the hot spots. It's going to be how to live like a local. And we're going to go find those little underground places that the only, only the locals know. We're going to um, live like an Italian princess. And we're going to have massages and um, self-care and treatments. And we're do- so we're doing all of these fun themes throughout the week. Um, and each day is focused on that. And it's going to be focused on girlfriend to girlfriend. So you're going to be sharing a room with your girlfriend or um, with mother-daughter or sister-sister. So it's a really great groovy, fun retreat in Florence where we're going to explore the city. And, and it's all will be about fun, friends, food, adventure, really great time. So, um, and then the October retreat is going to be that we only have five spots left actually, because people so loved it that they're signing up again. And they're, I have people who are like, as soon as you have the information, let me know. So I've reserved that date. That's October 20th to the 27th, and the villa is all reserved and ready to go. And um, that's going to be our boutique retreat. Everyone, there's only one shared room. Everyone else is it's private room. All of them are in suite. You have um, a gorgeous villa and private drivers, and we go on our adventures, and we have unbelievable gluten-free, delicious food. So. That's what's happening, and I love it, and um, I'm different because of it, and I'm so excited to lead women on that transformational experience. And I oh. love to see oh. Italy <laughs> through your oh. eyes. Me I just, too. just, well, I think that would be such an amazing experience, truly. Yeah, I do too. Well, I brought you guys too. down to the May retreat, and you're sharing a room, so I think we'll need to have a little conversation after. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Dana. I, I love Dana's smooth jazz right there. She goes, "Yeah, me too, <laughs> honey." You just went, you went totally zen right there, listening mm-hmm. about that trip. <laughs> mm. <laughs> See, it sounds so healing, especially coming from Stacy. You know, it. Um, you know, thinking about it, if like you're like, okay, well, I can plan a trip, so I'm just going to go to Italy and I'm going to do, you know. Okay, that doesn't sound nearly as great as going with uh-huh. Stacy, where she's got these themes and it's all planned and there's experiences and friends and food and you know it just sounds sounds lovely and definitely. I just enjoyed been. listening and and seeing the pictures through the tri- uh, through the trip through her eyes mm-hmm. on uh, Facebook. I'm like just your your vision and and meeting the locals and people that had made the beautiful foods and it was just very cool. A very flower filled moment. <laughs> right? I see you I see you girls there. So you're in trouble. If I see you there, then that pretty much means you should get your your shoes yep. bought and broken in. That's because it. we're right? gonna we're be walking the streets board. of Florence together. But, yeah, but we're gonna have to morning. get the right kind of shoes first, right? Evidently. <laughs> and the right I do not have toes of steel. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you guys. Oh yeah. my goodness. 
And I just picked up my flower filled moments in honor of you, Stacy. And I'm going to spritz it on my face. I'm sure you guys don't have yours sitting handy, but I do. I do. So hang on. I'm going to spritz it. Wait, wait. Mine's right here. Hold on. Listen for the spritz. Wait. I just opened it. Okay. (laughs) I'm spritzing. That you guys made the most delicious. You know that I didn't know you made this for me. You know that I didn't realize that until we were on one of the shows together. I know. And you told me. Because I kept saying to the boys, I'm like, this smells like me in a bottle. And because when you sent it to me, you didn't write that explanation or I missed it. And I was like, right. This flower field moments, essential oil that you created just for me. I'm like, Oh my God, you guys are so beautiful. And then you told me on that, on that radio show. And I'm like, wait, you made this for me. Cause it smells like me. <laughs> well, and and I, I, I you saw, channeled me. Good job. I did. I did. And you know what's funny? You want to hear something even funnier? I saw your essential oil post this morning about anxiety and Elon Elon being one of your favorites. And what's the, what's that last note in there, Stacy in flower field mm-hmm. moments. Elon, Wait, Elon. I, <laughs> yes, it is. It is. I was like, oh my. nailed it. <laughs> you nailed totally it. did. And you know what? Oh. I can totally see why Elon, Elon would be your favorite because it's a wonderful, beautiful, uplifting, mm. very sweet, very opening, very loving. You know, they throw the, the, the Elon, Elon flowers over the beds of newlyweds. It's a gorgeous, it's Full of love. Elon Elon is full of love. So bingo, that's why that's your oil. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for telling me that. I, is that and thank gorgeous? you for teaching me not to call it Lang Lang. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, you know, it's funny when I say Elon Elon, everyone's like, what oil is that? I'm like, you know, Y-L, and they're like, oh, my God. And, and people totally call it Lang Lang. But it's in... in it's actually Elon Elon, which is so much more like feminine and and rural and just you know what I'm saying. Elon Elon, it is. But it reminds me of one of those words like you know jojoba or jojoba or it's one of those words. <laughs> jojoba. You yeah, know what right. I'm saying? It's like yeah. say it however you want to say it. You know whatever whatever resonates with you. I mean who who's to say that that's not the way it should be said? You know what I mean? No. Yeah, and I'm going to be you featuring know, you guys because I are. Here's my commitment to you guys. My commitment is to feature my friends and their fabulous products. And one of the things that I have been coming to a reckoning about, because I keep saying I'm not good at marketing, I'm not good at marketing, I'm not good at marketing. And Michael Wentz sat me down and said, you have to stop saying that because you actually are very good at marketing. Oh, um, you are. And because you naturally share and people trust you and you share. And I'm like, so I think I thought of marketing as it's this thing I have to do and I'm not doing it right. And so what I've done is I've pulled back and I'm like, I have all these people I want to promote, all these things I want to share. And I'm like, I've been afraid of not doing it right. Right. Which is so, because I got separated from my heart about it. Cause when I share from my heart, I do everything just totally groovy. Right. And mm-hmm. so not perfect, but groovy because my heart's attached and my heart's groovy. Right. So I keep seeing all these marketing heroes, these giants who are doing things in this very structured way. And I'm like, oh, I'm not doing that. So I must not do anything. So I decided to call it, I changed the word for marketing. I no longer call it marketing and I call it swill, which doesn't sound pretty when you think of what swill is, but it's sharing what I love. And so instead of writing marketing down, I write 
S-W-I-L. And my commitment is to share something every day that I love. And so um, in the healing realm in the world. So you guys are on the docket because I love what you're doing. I want to share that with people. I want to share your healing Mm. hearts and your healing work with others. And I am so sorry that I've not done that for so many of my friends because I was in a stopgap with myself. And I'm in a renewed commitment to share what I love. So you're part of that. We just love you. I think that's so funny that you say, girl, we seriously need a bottle of wine on the beach. I'm just saying here, okay? Yeah, we do. But how you say I'm not good at marketing. Like if you're one of those people that could sell baby shoes to people that don't have children by the way (laughs) you view things. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's not it's not a true like sales, which is maybe oh why that doesn't resonate with you. It's not like a true salesperson. Does that make sense? It's more like a, a resonation like if you truly believed in something, you would mm-hmm. put put you know what I mean, heart and soul into yeah, I totally get it. We're glad that Michael actually said that to you because I could totally see that, you know. Mm-hmm. The the vision of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. We could just talk to you forever. So what's new? Beside, anything new besides, of course, the, the retreats are, you know, in and of themselves fabulous and wonderful. But any new, like, thought processes for books or anything? Yeah. Actually. Really? Actually. I'm writing a new. <laughs> are you book. able to share with us? Yeah, sure. Awesome. I'm happy to share. Um, so I started a new gong. And in this new gong, what I'm doing is I actually wrote two books um, over the last couple of years, and they were lost on my hard drive that crashed in Italy last year. And so um, I ended up getting some of that back. And so I'm releasing at least two books this year. One is called The 100-Day Gong, and I don't know the subtitle on that yet, but it will be something really yummy and then um, because 100 day gong doesn't mean anything to anybody but the subtitle will mean something and then the other book is a book that I wrote when I was approached from some friends who knew about my spiritual journey where I went from very tight theologies and religion that was very fear-based to a more spacious place and um, so I ended up writing a book called God Loves Me I think stories from hell heaven and the other side of Texas and so oh. it's the story of my spiritual journey of how I went from those tight spaces to spacious places and how I went from fear to love. And um, so that book is I'm going to be editing this spring um, and I'm going to be finishing the 100 Day Gong book within the next two months. And so I'm really excited about both of those things. Those are two new things that are on the table for me. And I really think the spiritual conversation matters so much because a lot of us have these great ideas, like this great hunger for a divine conversation um, to be in this journey with God. And so many of us have strong beliefs about God, but so many of us have what I call undertow thoughts where you step out in the ocean because it's so great, but then you have these undertow thoughts that pull you under and they can kill you. They can kill your joy and, and the experience of the ocean. And so we have these thoughts about God that can really drag us out and drown us. And then we don't experience the goodness of whatever we perceive God to be and whoever, whatever God is. And so I share my journey about that very honestly and funny. And <clears throat> in that book, God loves me, I think. So that'll be out at some point, I think this spring. 
she'll do the edits this spring. But the 100-Day Gong Book, that's something that's also shifted my life, is doing these Taoist practices of the same thing every day. Because I think that when you have a life that's destabilized sometimes by a diagnosis or by parenting kids who are growing and changing every day or by being in a, a fluctuating financial market, whatever it is, that to create stability in your own life by your choices and your spiritual practice is very life-giving <clears throat> and um, it helps to anchor you in yourself when things are kind of going funny. So I love telling about that, writing about that. I, this is my ninth or 10th hundred day gong. It's transformed my life to do these practices. I am a stronger version of me. I'm a more empowered version of me. I'm a more confident pardon me, person version of me. And that bitchy, naggy voice that was in my head went away. That that critical voice that only tells me the wrong things that I do, that went away through the practice of doing the gong. And so that's why I invite people into it. So I'll be excited to share more about that experience. Maybe I can come back and I can talk yes. more about it when I'm done. You so it's okay. it's okay to put an orange cone on yourself sometimes and go around and see it a different way through a different set of your own eyes. I just love the orange cone, Stacy. I'm sorry. I just, I'm obsessed with Stacy's orange cone theory. I totally (laughs) am going to do that because I'm such a visual person that I, I definitely will, you know, to to step back rather than engage and just put an orange cone and wish Mm -hmm. that person or that situation or whatever, some love and go around. That is, huge it is and that's what um pretty much i learned from moving to costa rica i pretty much pure vita had to i did i had to you know, leave the country you know i didn't just have an orange cone i had to pick up and leave the country and move to costa rica but boy did i learn um costa rica hmm. is kind of my orange cone you know once i landed what's i knew cone, immediately what's cone in spanish the something naranja even naranja is a good is a good <laughs> <laughs> One of those words. I'm sorry. Right. I'm in left field now. Woo, there she goes. <laughs> that's all right. We'll let you be there. We'll let you yeah. be there. Um, um, yeah, so that's that's what's going on. And the other new things are just um, embracing the season and living a life that I love, you know, just going, these are the elements that I love in my life. I love coaching my clients, so I do that X amount of hours a week. I love being a homeschooling mom, so we embrace that in our lives. I love being a woman who travels to Italy and brings others with me because my hashtag is live your dreams, hashtag take others with you. So, um, you know, doing that and then just kind of being in this space of allowing space, allowing there to be space on the floor and not being cluttered. I've lost 30 pounds this year, this past year and looking towards losing 30 more this year um, because Hashimoto's invited me into the gain weight and a lot of it experience. Mm. So, um, you know, I I went from 135 pounds to 270 pounds uh, when I got misdiagnosed for all those years. And so, you know, you lose a certain amount of weight, like I lost 80 pounds and then, but then I had kids and then I lost the weight and then I had kids, another kid, and then I lost the weight. And, and so I've just, but I think that certain things are releasing over certain periods of time. And I know weight loss is a big conversation with a lot of us women. We're always looking mm-hmm. to find out how to lose that 
first 50 or those last five, you know, and it just can be very obsessive every time we look in the mirror or step on the scale or put on our clothes or sit at a meal. It's almost like something we can't get away from, that weight loss conversation, because we're confronted with the reminders of it all the time, the mirror, the, the scale, the clothes, the, the meals, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm using those, I use those as reminders to love myself. You know, I step on the scale and I write my weight in my journal and I go, I am so happy to be this weight. What a beautiful weight to be. I remember when I was at this weight and I complained about it. I am celebrating this weight. It's such a different season in my world, in my life, you know. And so in the spirit of loving yourself, I think that it makes it easier to do loving things that help you to lose your weight. Because you're not, you know this, you're not just losing fat. Our toxins are stored in our fat. Our memories are stored in our cells. So I see that every time I lose a certain amount of weight, it was my, my soul, my spirit being ready to let go of maybe some ideas I had about myself, false ideas, some ideas about the past, some worries about the future. I see it as this is maybe this is my time to um, let my, my body strong enough to process those toxins out, maybe my liver strong enough to let those toxins go. And my kidneys and my liver and my organs can filter them out uh, properly now because fat will protect you. You know, when women have been abused in some way, a lot of times they'll gain weight. And to put this protective barrier around themselves, especially if they went through sexual abuse, it's like I will be as unappealing to you as possible so that you can't hurt me again. And so what happens when they're willing to let go of that, when they're able to find their sense of safety in themselves, a lot of times they'll be able to lose the weight differently. So losing weight is such a big conversation. And I, some of my clients, they want to talk about that. My whole Hashimoto's community wants to talk about it. Um, so, yeah, I just I share love that, that kind of, though. The way you just you? said that, uh-huh. I do. Because uh-huh. it's it's not a number, and it's not about losing weight, because there's so many people that don't love themselves when they're thin. Or for people whose, whose primary goal is to lose weight, and you just spoke to me, because that's my last big, you know, that's the last big ding for me is the 65 pounds that I put on, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, But I people will get and lose that 65 pounds or lose that 70 pounds or whatever it is and still not love themselves, right? It's not about a number. It's not about being overweight or thin. It's about loving yourself. I, that is, oh, you know, I'm telling you, Stacey, I'm just going to hang out in your house, okay? I'm just going to, like, you know, be the person in the corner. <laughs> no, you guys like, what is she doing here? You guys both <laughs> I just, I've invited you, Tiffany. Just saying. <laughs> Let everybody know I'm that I've coming. invited you. Okay. Oh my gosh! I know you haven't, and I am. I am coming. We. It's just going it's to happening. happen, and it seems like every time I'm there, you know what it is. I'm going to tell you what it is. Every time I have been there in your area, I have thought of you because the girls and I we take that trip. Oh, not often, but often enough. I think I've been there maybe two or three times since we've talked, and I'm such there for such a short period of time. Like, I feel like my life is one big whirlwind. And, and Dana could tell you, like, there are days that I come to the end of the day and I, I'm just so grateful that I could complete all of that in one day. It's almost inhuman and on certain, at certain times. She's it's super craziness. Woman. It's craziness. Woman. I'm going to connect you guys by a phone, and y'all are just going to be able to text. And that way, when you're close by, <laughs> you can say, can, do you have 30 minutes? 
It's going to happen. So it's happening. I think what it what it is, Stacy. Honestly, is I feel like I want an uninterrupted amount of time. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? I don't want to see you and meet you and hug you and talk to you in a rush. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. That sounds so terrible, cute. but it's so true. Like you're you're not a person that you would want to rush. You would want to just sit and relax and enjoy the topics that came up and, and whatever it is. I can't do that like in a set, you know, okay, so I only have an hour to be there. Or do you know what I mean? So I don't even call or say anything because I'm like, I have to be here and then I have to be back by a certain time or whatever. I just need to schedule. My goal for 2018 is more chill time for TIFF, where TIFF can just 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 be. And and that's my goal for 2018. It, it really is. Good. That sounds really silly, but that's no. a huge a huge thing for a homeschooling, self-employed mom of, of four kids. It's no, a big, perfect chill time Just is a me. big deal. Yeah. Me time. I you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Yes. And I so get it. That's why you guys will come to Italy. So we'll have that time together and there right. will be no rush. Right. See, Dana, right. we're going. That's fabulous. <laughs> oh. And we're going to go together because it would be even yes. better. Not just it with Stacy, but better. it would be even better with you. Well, thank you. Well, it would be great because we haven't ever met either. So it's just, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. There it's it happening. is. Let's put it out there. Put there it out it there. Yay. It's happening. <laughs> Flower field moment. <laughs> I would love to make some more together girls. in person. Okay. Well, Stacy, thank you. You know, we love you. The book is An Unconventional Life where messes and magic collide. You must read it. It is just a fabulous, it's one of those you just want to, you know, hold. It's just, it's a it's fabulous It's Stacey read. from cover to cover. It is. Stacey it is. Cover to cover it is. Yep. Thank so you. Thank you. And thank you guys for what you're doing. I love the heart and the spirit and the information and the access that you allow our community to have with such joy and light as you bring, as you connect our worlds to each other, connect the community to the experts and so thank you so much for what you girls oh. do. You're awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. you. A lot. It does. Have a fabulous day. Ciao, ciao. 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 Bye. <laughs> Bye. Oh, my goodness. I, know. I could just spend like six hours with her. You know, she just is a healing person. It sounds kind of silly, but it's she is a healing person. The view, the just everything. She is. It's a wonderful. Yeah. She is soft and a breath of fresh yeah. air, you know. And I love the, the just the revisit of things, you know. Mm-hmm. Take a minute and actually realize how you're feeling about a certain thing, and that that does have everything to do with healing and Hashimoto's and Graves' disease and any autoimmune or any illness or anything like that. It's it's very much the view, you know, how you look at it, how you see it, being present, right? You know accepting and being present and how you're feeling and where you are and just being like, just be hashtag, just be right. Right. Because just being will force you to, to be in those moments where you can right. heal and, and look at your life differently. Yeah. I love it. Definitely. So many great things from this show. The orange yeah. cone theory, the, you know, living a distracted life. Don't live a distracted life. You know, it's, it's, it's a frame of mind. Everything is a frame of mind. Healing and and 
your relationships and your your work choices and day choices and everything is all in your grasp, right? It is. Your healing, like it she is. says, your healing can only go as far as your beliefs will let it. So change yep. the pace. Do something differently today. If you're, you know, someone cuts you off or something negative happens, take a moment and think about it and view the good that comes from that. View the good that came from that moment. You know, make it shift. Make a shift. <sighs> okay, you can find all things amazing Stacy at stacyrobbins.com, spelled S-T-A-C-E-Y-R-O-B-B-I-N-S.com. You can find her book, An Unconventional Life, Where Messes and Magic Collide. Her other book, You're, you're Not Crazy and You're Not Alone, which I love the cover of that one, too. It's just too funny. Mm-hmm. And then her Bloom Beautiful app that you can download and uh, have a little bit of Stacy every day. It's a very cool, um, you sent that to me many years ago. And yep. Love it and love you. And we love, love Stacy, of course. <laughs> and we love our listeners, and we would love a little review if you get a moment, if you uh, enjoy the show. We would love for you to go on there and on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. We would just really, really appreciate it. Help spread the message. And if you've missed any shows, you can easily download them for listening later on on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, pretty much everywhere you can find us. And also, don't don't forget to sign up for Thyroid Refresh. It is my new fabulous project that I'm working on with Jenny Mahar, and uh, we are launching early 18. It is going to be so wonderful. Uh, cannot wait. It's going to be another pure love. Uh, pure love. It is. It's a thyroid refresh paper of love and healing. Yep. Thyroidrefresh.com. So please check that out. Um, get on the mailing list so you can get some behind the scenes, behind the scenes uh, information. Maybe get on the uh, trial to be a beta tester. Learn all kinds of wonderful things that we have in store for you. We are launching uh, early January and then our five products in uh, March. Cannot wait. Working really hard behind the scenes. So please check that out. Also, check out Thrive Probiotic and get on there. Um, because they are a fabulous sponsors. We are more than thrilled to have them. And please check out Thyroid Nation Radio on Facebook and the Hashi's group. Um, we put all the information for the coming guests. And uh, you can ask questions and all that kind of wonderful stuff. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, our, our, the, I can't even put it into words how important this is. We always want to remind you that wellness is a journey and takes continual maintenance and evaluation. You need to plug into you. Make sure to always listen to your own body and register and meditate together and be mindful of what it is telling you. It's your your greatest resource ever in healing and happiness and everything right I mean it's just so important it is this is Dana and Tiffany your thyroid nation thrivers bringing the collective voice of thyroid thrivers worldwide so that together united we heal next week uh, Andrea Nakayama is, Nakayama is joining us and we are so excited thanks guys Bye-bye.